17 Shrimp Club. <laughs> Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It is Sunday, June 13, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 208. This is No Agenda. Following the oil cabal all the way down Blue Stream 2 and coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California, where June gloom has set upon us in the morning. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, <laughs> I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> nice. <laughs> in the morning to you, uh, John. In the morning to everybody out there listening. Yes, all the human resources. In the morning to y'all. From the World Service here at No Agenda Show. To the ships at sea. <laughs> I am uh, not doing well. What happened? Oh, I'm still sick. Oh, I you had... must have something then. No kidding. Yes. I, well, I had full blown like stomach flu for the past uh, three days. It could be uh, what's that? What's it? Nardo? What's the name of that thing you can catch? Nardo. What's the name of that thing? Nardo? Nando's? <laughs> no, I can't remember the name. It's like a, it's like a virus. Well, whatever it is, I hope I don't have it. If you can't even remember the name, well, it makes you lose your memory. What? Nothing. <laughs> then, then I caught it from you. That's for sure. What? <laughs> Sometimes I'm a little concerned about you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd be more concerned about my stomach if I were you. Yeah, I, no, I am. It's uh, it was really bad. You know, I I couldn't go to school all week, <sighs> and uh, had fever, and it's nasty. And I'm still kind of like Are you so throwing sore. up. No, I don't throw up. I already told you. Oh, that. Okay, well, that's probably not that then. Uh, it's the, not what Nardo Nando's. I don't know. It could be Nando's. Well, let's get our uh, producers uh, mentioned right away. Oh, we have producers. Uh, you know, we forgot um, on Thursday to mention Andrew McKinnon is our uh, series producer for the month of June. So I want to say that right off the bat so we don't uh, mess that one so, up. So we have uh, a uh, producer, and an executive producer, and an associate. Our executive producer is, uh, well, I, I, he's actually taking out a knighthood for his... Um, uh, he's actually going to surprise Andrea with a knighthood oh. slash dame for Sunday's show. Uh, and he's calling her. And he doesn't say if it's his wife. I'm assuming it is, but maybe this, not. This is Sunday's show, just so you know, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's calling her the sexiest woman in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Uh, I, uh, I believe it. Who's to deny that? So this is uh, Sir Black Knight Kelly. Uh, Spongberg, right? Yeah. Okay, and he, but he is bestowing executive producership upon the sexiest woman in Canada. That's what he's doing, yes. And her name is? Well, let's see. I sold some motorcycle parts on eBay, he says, and I was <laughs> it was almost time for Spongberg Enterprises' quarterly donation anyway, so I decided to surprise Andrea with a knighthood for Sunday's show. Feel free to use the sexiest woman in Canada. Our daughter, Kira, uh, my stepdaughter, was diagnosed with uh, uh, some sort of a crazy cyst in her brain, which wasn't any good, so this is also for some no agenda karma. Um, she's healthy with no problems so far, but it's scary for all of us when a diagnosis like this comes about. Hmm. So, uh, Kelly Spongberg, I guess. So it, that she'll be Dame... No. Is it for... It's for Andrea. 
It's oh. not for Kelly. It's for Andrea. Right. And Kelly's the right. Okay. It's for Andy or Andrea Spong. This is bro. what happens with that Nardo disease. <laughs> makes you forget. <laughs> you forget what you said disease. three seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be Dame Andrea Spongberg. Great. So we'll have a, a knighthood, a damehood, as it were. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Wow. So that's is that a $1,000 donation in one shot because he sold some like bits and pieces of his motorcycle? Yeah. Cool. Wow, that's that's fantastic. This uh, I feel better already. Amazing. Well, Kelly's a, Kelly's a good guy. <laughs> it's amazing. He's a black knight, you know. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then we have an associate producer, associate executive producer, Elaine Hengem from Gainesville, Florida, uh, who gave us $202.23. Anybody who donates more than $200 becomes an associate or an executive producer, depending on if that's the highest donation of the week. Uh, and when you donate uh, just a free-form donation at Dvorak.org slash N-A, uh, there's a little explanation there on that website. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, John. I'm going to say that this is probably the first time we have had a uh, female executive producer and a female associate executive producer on one episode, one show. Mm. Yeah, this, this could, this I, I could be unique. Done, yeah, I think you're right. Mm. And actually, it's a triple whammy because we also have a female knight. I mean, the goods All just that's keep on coming. missing is a female's birthday wish. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't get one. Uh, wow, that's pretty awesome. That would be the circuit. And um, before we uh, go into congratulating them on their credits, uh, a quick mention for a gathering... Lest right. we forget, this is the um, Gitmo Nation Castanets Gathering, <laughs> which <laughs> I just love that, uh, which is in Spain, in Madrid, uh, Thursday the 17th, that's uh, this coming Thursday, um, at 8.30 p.m., and there will be a link in the show notes at noagendashow.com uh, for, a, uh, for a gathering, of, uh, and it's, it's called a No Agenda Gathering, hosted by Fakinacio. Who uh, regularly con- contacts us from, uh, and I think actually has named uh, Spain Gitmo Nation Castanets. Right now, do we have a? Does he have a Twitter account or something that where he can coordinate all this, or is that just going to be? He has, he has, no, he has a web page. So I'm I'm going to put a link in the show notes at noagendashow.com so people can sign up. He's got a whole thing with like a, a map and where uh, where you can meet. It's a meetup. Uh, it's it. Uh, yeah. Well, he calls it an NAG, a No Agenda Gathering. But yeah, in, in essence, oh, I it's like a the meetup. nag. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a nag, and he actually has a little tab here, naggers. <laughs> if anybody wants to do a nag, let us know. <laughs> Looks like three so, people have signed up. So I wouldn't far. mind going to that thing. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, we have to. We have to do our world tour, man. We got to do the whole. Uh, so what's the uh, what's the? Why don't you just tell what the website is? No, nah, it's somebody... it's messed up. It's like oh, it's it's, yeah, no, no, it's not. It's not one of those. It's very handy. Right, well, so, we have to come up with a nag site. So that's for the Spaniards uh, in in the United States of Europe in Gitmo Nation Castanets, and of course we want to thank uh, profusely Dame Andrea Spongberg uh, on behalf of Black Knight Kelly, of course, uh, for her support of today's program, along with associate executive producer Elaine Hengem. Uh Both of you can put this onto your uh, resume. It's an official credit. Now I'd hate to say it, it could get you laid, but if you're looking for it, I think it works. It's uh, you know. It works for all sexes, and it can definitely bring you good karma and can get you gigs and all kinds of other things. Put it in your email as well. And for the rest of you out there, we need you to go out and help us with support by propagating the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. That's right. 
to do is say it together with us for once and for all. Let's do it now, John. Shut up, Snake. <laughs> I think I have to go to the doctor, actually. You, you need to see a doctor? Yeah, I think so. I think tomorrow I'm going to go see a doctor. I think it's indicative of something else going on. Yeah. Well, if, pro- well hopefully it's not, no big deal. Yeah, but if I, if I should I go silent and fall down during this uh, episode of No Agenda? I can carry the show to duck call. <laughs> Send in the federales. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, there's another uh, site that I wanted to mention, uh, which is kind of interesting. It's noagendaartgenerator.info. Now, if you um, look at the album art for every episode, we have some fantastic artists. Uh, we have Paul T., Randy Asher. Uh, recently, Paul Couture has been uh, uh, contributing some great art. And some others along the way. And if yeah, Oh, yeah, totally. And if you look at the noagendaartgenerator.info website, what's cool about it is you basically um, you create your montage, you upload it to, uh, to this site, and it will crop it and put the No Agenda elements, uh, which I think originally are the ones that uh, Randy Asher designed. It'll overlay those, and it'll save it as a new image. So <laughs> it's really cool. Take a look at it. it it's like, well, wow. high unemployment rate situation. It, it must be. Noagendaartgenerator.info. I, I, uh, I, uh, I think a very good producer project. <laughs> Ah, so I've been, um, obviously I've been ill, so I I think I slept like 18 of every 24 hours. So I've been, uh, I couldn't watch a lot of C-SPAN. I I do want to point out one thing, John. I think you got the email from Rosie, who is in Human Resources at Nevio. Uh, And I'd like to thank President Obama. Um, here's the email, folks. Our dental insurance plan with Guardian renewed on June 1st and rates went up by 6%. You may see a slight reflection of this on your paycheck. Oh. Thanks, President Obama. Obama. care at work. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to go down. No. <laughs> we're screwed. This is just the beginning of the end. So here's one for you. Go to the clip file. Yeah. New vaccine. Oh, no. Hold on. New vaccine. Play it right off the bat. Go hit yeah, it. Yeah, let's play it. Do you think the safest place in the world for your baby is wrapped in your arms? It can also be one of the most dangerous because parents most often spread pertussis, whooping cough, and it's potentially fatal to infants. Researchers found up to 80% of babies get it from family members. Ask your healthcare provider about the adult pertussis vaccine today because your baby could be this close to catching it. Oh, my God. <laughs> the kid is like dying. That's horrible. Because mom has got uh, some virus. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. How, I never heard this before, ever. So this is a, uh, you can be a carrier of whooping cough, apparently, and you need to get the vaccine? How does that work? I don't know. But she literally calls it a vaccine, right? Yeah, I guess it's a vaccine. <sighs> Amazing. Thanks. I feel much better now. That's a horrible sound, that baby. 
<laughs> Look, kids know, are dying. I'm trying, I'm trying to s- s- slice all the baby sounds out and then put it into something else. <laughs> was that uh, a television commercial? Yeah. What was the baby be- showing a cute little baby coffin? Oh, no. Oh, that, that's wrong, man. <laughs> that's just totally wrong. You, you could be killing your kid. <laughs> Take this vaccine. Everything's running guilt trips on the public. It really... It, uh, I, I, how does that work? I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. I um, You know, the, um, remember when uh, the WikiLeaks thing came out and there was a huge... Uh, um, you know, a huge surge of, you know, oh, uh, what's the guy's name again? Uh, Julian Assange, Assange, whatever his name is. And like, you know, he's awesome and it's great that Wikipedia has done this and it's fantastic. But the real... Oh, by the way, somebody mentioned it's the norovirus I was trying to think of. Oh, yeah, that's the poop virus. Yeah. Right. No, I don't have that. But it's okay. not far from it. <laughs> norovirus. That only happens on cruise ships. Um... So uh, the true hero, if you want to call him that, this is about the uh, the leaked videotape of the uh, the helicopter. Yeah, we, and you can, by the way, anyone wants to see this, this is live on the blog right now. What is the the video? No, the 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 guy, the story about this guy. Oh, okay. So, but what I'm missing now is, so this is a 22 year old intelligence officer apparently who leaked this video to uh, WikiLeaks. Uh, how they found out about him, I don't know. Of course, you know, they're, they're supposed to be really protected when you send something off to WikiLeaks. Um, but no one's, like, coming out and saying, this guy's the hero. You know, where's everybody now? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm in total agreement with you. It's like, what? yeah, go He's ahead. He's not a hero now that they found out who it is. <laughs> yeah. He apparently gave himself up on some chat room or something. Yeah, well, It wasn't WikiLeaks' fault that he got found out. Of course, that could be bullshit, too, but... It seems as though he was uh, he was so uh, self-absorbed or concerned, not self-absorbed, but concerned. He was preoccupied. That's the word I'm looking for with the situation, and he had to talk to somebody about it. And the guy who he's talking to just turned him in. Yeah, it seems like um, like the administration is very worried about something because apparently he has uh, was it like transcripts and other documents and. Uh, the uh, well, he sent these documents according to Wired magazine. Uh, in fact, the whole story it says that the heat. This guy, after sending the the, the one, you know, the, this is the by the way for anyone out there who wants to know. We're talking about the clip of the helicopters and this uh, kind of right. blase gunning down of a bunch of people in uh, some place in Afghanistan or was it Iraq? Iraq, I believe. Yeah. It was Iraq. Iraq. And um, apparently, he also turned in a bunch of. Now, here's what gets me about the story. Let me go. I'm scrolling down to the part I want to read. Uh, he also apparently sent in another video that has never shown up. He leaked, uh, you know, another video to WikiLeaks, which, which makes me suspicious. Uh, that's never been aired. And do, do we know what it was? Well, it was another similar to the one that he showed. It was some other butchery of uh-huh. some sort. But let me. Uh, wait, yeah, we go on with discussing well, this. I have to find this exact wording. Well, what I have here is, and I, I guess this is the. Um uh, this is the online chat where um, he was found out. Apparently, he has 260,000 State Department cables. Yeah, that's what gets me. Cables. What is a cable in this day and age? A cable is like, a, what, are, what are these from? Like the Eisenhower administration cables? <laughs> or Truman. 
Yeah. I mean, what are they? What is a cable? What do they have a cable? Well, you get the teletype going, boys. <laughs> you got a cable going out. Stop. Well, so if maybe that's just the way it's written. Uh, it says it over and over again. Cable. So this makes me very suspicious when when you read it over and over again, and it's like, okay, so what is that exactly? Here um, it is. A database of 260,000 classified State Department diplomatic cables. Yeah. So apparently what some of them are, um, are about the Vatican and pedophile priests. Did you read that as well? No, I did not catch that. Yeah. Um, that it, uh, the cables pertain, well, the, the Vatican may be using cables, who knows. The cables pertain to the Vatican's position on the church sex scandals. And uh, could it be that the State Department is uh, tapping the Pope? Keep track on uh, on the kids? Well, I'm sure that they're <laughs> tapping everybody, yeah. but uh, so, I think that's pretty clear. But the uh, the Fed seem very anxious to uh, to find these and to uh, to stop the publication of said cables. But yeah, the whole thing that it, that it's cables that, that's bothersome. It uh, doesn't sit right. No, not at all. And then, of course, the other thing is why is WikiLeaks sitting on this stuff? Yeah, why don't they publish it already? Yeah, that's what they're supposed to do, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. No, they don't. They, I mean, it's vetted. I, I, I mean, their whole thing. Well, we don't want to publish anything that's you know maybe a hoax. Doesn't look like a hoax. And how does a twenty-two-year-old uh, become a an intelligence officer? Isn't that a little bit young? I mean, can you when you're twenty-two and you have access to this kind of stuff? I mean, isn't don't you have to have like some kind of seniority and just age in general? Or is that crazy? Apparently not. On my part. I think that's that. No, I think you just get assigned. It's, it's not. I mean, everybody's. You know, there's a lot of tons of. I guess these intelligence officers who are just essentially reading stuff, or I don't know what they do. Yeah. But no, you know, I don't think there's an age limitation. Okay. So there's a. Uh, this is pretty funny. Uh, you ever read AmericanThinker.com? Uh, occasionally. Yeah. So what, what would you classify that website as? I don't know. Uh, Libertarian. Yeah. So, um, uh, Dr. What's his name here? This made me crack up. Dr. Robin. Oh, I guess it's just Robin of Berkeley. Okay. Mm. Robin of Berkeley is a psychotherapist in Berkeley and a recovering liberal. (laughs) Okay. So, um, Robin, Dr. Robin, uh, says, what is the matter with Obama? And goes into this analysis that perhaps, um, you know, he was abused as a kid because he's, he's displaying all this really weird behavior. You know, giggling about the economy, uh, going to parties and, uh, and other celebrations when, you know, the shit is hitting the fan in Louisiana. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the ass-kicking comment. Um, and literally is saying, well, it could be a number of things. And I guess this is a serious analysis. One, physical problems. Uh, he could actually have had head injuries as a child. <laughs> the president fell on his head. Uh, endocrine disturbances, epilepsy, toxic chemical exposure, which is interesting. Um, 
And then there's some analysis here. You know, his stepfather in Indonesia was purportedly an alcohol abuser, so maybe he did have a head injury that could be showing up now. Drugs or alcohol. Damage to the brain from drugs and alcohol can also cause significant cognitive impairments. Uh, and then there's a couple of examples there where Obama once uh, said there were 57 states and didn't correct himself. Memory po- problems can be caused by both illicit and prescription drug use. Uh, Asperger's syndrome, another theory. Um, high-functioning autism known as Asperger's. No, they, they, that, that's what Bill Gates has. Yeah. And I don't see any evidence that Obama's got that because for one thing, Obama, you know, one of the things about Asperger's is you don't connect well with people and Obama connects very well. He's very funny. Uh, he's quick-witted. I, I, I think there may be something to the abuse thing. I mean, he's, his mom had to be kind of a nutball. Yeah. Let's face it. And she, who knows what the deal is with her. And... Uh, I don't know. And then there was the schizotypal disorder. People with, I think I'm pronouncing this right, schizotypal disorder hold bizarre beliefs, are suspicious and paranoid, have, in, wait, I have this. That sounds like you. I was thinking that. <laughs> have inappropriate and constricted effect. They have few close friends, are socially awkward. Oh my God, I have this. A schizotypal is someone like your strange cousin Becky who is addicted to astrology, believes she is psychic, and is the oddball at social gatherings. <laughs> I actually have a cousin, Becky. It's a checklist. The checklist. The Adam Curry checklist. (coughs) Anyway, uh, Dr. Uh, Robin says, My gut tells me Obama was seriously traumatized in childhood. His mother disregarded his basic needs, dragged him all over the place, ultimately abandoned him. Uh, But I think there may be something even more insidious in his family background. Well, I can't prove it. The degree of Obama's disconnect reminds me of my sexually abused clients. So there's a lot of big claims in this piece. Uh, and you know it to be on American Thinker, and you know there is this this uh, this you know as we identified on Thursday this kind of bash Obama right now because he's doing the wrong thing meme running around. Yeah, I mean even John Stewart was all over him. What recently? Well, I mean, well, constantly, but I mean that one piece where he kept cutting between Obama, so what he's going to do, and then showing him at various events, <coughs> you know, parties. Right, instead of doing what he's supposed to do. So I, I don't know. I, I, we've always thought that, that, you know, that the guy was weird. We, we have a theory, or you have a theory, I should say, that there's two Obamas. Maybe that would kind of uh, make it look like schizotypal. Um, but I agree. I agree with the basic analysis that his reactions, his responses, his non... He doesn't seem to have any real passion, you know, no matter, even when he said, I'm going to go, I need to know whose ass to kick. It doesn't seem like... I am going to go find whose ass I should be kicking. Yeah. Yeah, no, he seems flat. Really does. And, uh, I don't know. Just... You know, when, when Reagan was president, he was always just a moat. And then Bush, you know, just seemed like, you know, that he, they took a guy and they just drugged him. And that was the end of that. <laughs> yeah, it's sad, but I do believe that. I, I do believe they just completely gave him Alzheimer's. Hey, here, take this. Uh, let's sniff this paint we put on well, your even, desk. Even uh, Laura said that they were drugged in a couple of Laura events. Laura Bush, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so so he just went through the whole system drugged. Cheney never was, it doesn't seem. He's always grumbling about one thing or another. Uh, he never took whatever it was. But uh, they could be, maybe Obama could be on something. I mean, you know, these guys, they don't get enough sleep. Uh, they would work them to death. It's a 24-7 world, and, you know, you have to go to bed at night, and the next thing you go, every, every day's a surprise when you get up. Yeah. 
And so I'm sure that you know the the tendency to be loaded with uh, loaded up with all kinds of different you know drugs to go to sleep to wake up for the next three or four years. That's why you end up looking like crap, like Clinton. Yeah, and you, you get gray. Well, Clinton, of course, was doing so much blow in the White House and it blew his heart out. That was his problem. Yeah, well, that can't be good for you. No. Anyway, it doesn't. I'm not really taking this anywhere other than I thought it was an interesting observation. And uh, yeah, we really don't know anything about about this president when it comes to that. We don't know anything about his real childhood. I know we don't know anything about his girlfriends that he may have had. None of them have ever come forward. You know, they said they slept with the guy. Uh, yeah, or friends, pals. He doesn't have any old pals. I mean, even Nixon had a bunch of crazy stooge pals. BB Rebozo and all these people who never, you know, they were always hanging around. Uh, I don't know. It's odd. We know a heck of a lot more about Michelle. Her background's pretty straight, straight no, up. No, we don't know everything. No, I don't know everything, but we know more than we know about Obama. Yeah, we don't know about that whole law firm thing where she had to resign and. She lost her license. It's all it's all weird. But who am I to propagate conspiracy theories? It could be just smears. Well, something is afoot. He's definitely on the bad end right now. And I'm not quite sure why it is, but everyone is, is way against him. Most of the observers think that Rahm Emanuel, as soon as the elections are over, is out. Well, doesn't he want to go back and uh, be in the Senate where he can get some, quote, real work done? Rahm Emanuel. Yeah, yeah. That's what I keep hearing him say. He wants to go back to the Senate, get some real work done. I can't do anything here. <laughs> I can't do anything. I can't get anything done. Yeah, that makes nothing but sense. He's in the White House. So then there's this weird um, Alvin Green story. Do you have any clips on that? Were you following this? No, and I'm not even following it. Oh, so this is a... Um, so, you know, there's, there's elections everywhere. And uh, and this guy wins in I want to say South Carolina, and um, and he's like a, you know he's like a homeless guy, and he wins and everyone's and, and and no one really even noticed it. Although I'd seen something on maybe on some C-SPAN show somewhere where they were like, "How did this guy win? Was it because his name was listed higher in the alphabet or something like that? That people are just so stupid when they when they vote." And then it turns out that he was convicted of, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, either an assault or DUI or something. And then they, and people start interviewing him. And the guy did no campaign. He's a Democrat. No campaign. Uh, it's He says he got the $10,400 required uh, to get on the ballot from his savings. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, the guy had no home. Uh, and he can't really talk. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because the way he's being questioned... Uh, well, this sounds like a Democrat. Yeah. The Sorry. way the way he's being questioned both by Keith Olbermann, um, but also... Um, what is this uh, interview? Let me see. This is... Uh, well, Alvin, you know, this is the question that everybody has been asking. This is... Uh, what is what is this? Uh, the Big Picture? Is that a public television? The Big Picture? I don't know. I think so. So, so here's this guy, Alvin Green. Listen to the question. Then we'll switch over to... Uh, to Keith Olbermann, because the, the the line of questioning is exactly the same, and everyone's calling this guy a, a Republican National Committee plant. That, they, that you know he's a, he's he's basically the Manchurian candidate. This guy, <laughs> this guy, and a candidate for nothing, as far as I'm concerned. For two days now, and I'm sure asking you, 
How in the world does something like this happen? Where did you come from? I mean, how did you win the nomination for the Democratic Party and the right to face Jim DeMint? Well, I worked hard. You know, and I got my message to my supporters. And I said, just hard work. When we say hard work, though, I mean, I understand you didn't hold any campaign functions. You had no campaign signs, no campaign literature, no website. How did this, is, this is also a big thing. He had no website. He can't be a real candidate if you don't have a website. Did you work to get the name out? I mean, what did you physically do? Well, I did just simple, old-fashioned campaigning. You know, nothing fancy or expensive, just... So what is old-fashioned campaigning? Did you go door-to-door? Did you get in the car and drive around the, the state? Yes. I campaigned all across the state. <laughs> um, you know, I had my family and friends help me, you know, and... He sounds like a real politician, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. It's hilarious. Yeah, let, let's go over to Keith Olbermann's uh, version. It, 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 basically, the same questions, you know. So this is why it's it's immediately suspect. But uh, Olbermann lays into him with, as only Keith can, of course. We're waiting for the Rachel Maddow assault on the guy, and maybe he's legit. I don't know, but it's it's. Uh, Funny. There is nothing necessarily extraordinary about an upset victory in politics. It happens. But the political enigma reaches a whole new level when the Democratic nominee for the U.S. Senate in South Carolina is accused of being a plant by the Republicans and when the third-ranking Democrat in the House calls for an investigation. In our third story tonight, that nominee, Alvin Green, will join us in a moment and we'll have a full opportunity to address all aspects of the controversy. Mr. Green, an unemployed veteran, defeated a former state representative, Vic Rawl, for the Democratic nomination for the Senate seat currently held by the Republican Jim DeMint. The primary garnered little notice until after Mr. Green won, until after the Associated Press reported that Mr. Green had been arrested in November of last year on a charge of felony obscenity. The South Carolina... Uh, felony obscenity? What is that? I guess he's standing on a street corner cussing. I don't know. <laughs> I never heard of it ever being a felony. Felony obscenity? Maybe if you bitch out a, a judge or something... Wow, that's that's new to me. Anyway. It shouldn't be a felony. It should be a part of it. Do you have a right to free speech? That's ridiculous. We have to look that one up. Why don't you look that one up while I, while I play this interview, or the little piece of it at least. Woman Carol Fowler yesterday called on Mr. Green to withdraw, but he has reportedly declined to do so. And now House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn of that state has called for an investigation into Mr. Green's candidacy. Congressman Clyburn, along with other South Carolina Democrats, have focused on how an individual not currently employed produced the filing fee of 10000 $400. Congressman Clyburn has pointedly said, quote, somebody gave him that $10,000 and he who took it should be investigated. He who gave it should be investigated as to whether Mr. Green is an actual. And, and by the way, isn't that how politics works in America? Don't you get money from people and you use that to campaign? What kind of bull crap is that? Unbelievable. I mean, it's, I mean you, now you have to investigate the people. Who, I mean, it, someone gave him the money. So isn't that how it works? Yeah, I, this is just Olbermann do, being Olbermann. No, if you're a no, Republican, this, everything you do is bad. This is the House Majority Whip who is saying this. Well, I know. Well, yeah, okay. Right. Right. Did you look up felony obscenity? I'm looking yet? it up now. It appears to have something to do with minors, and like if you like, I think if you if you do a butt flash to a minor, <laughs> you would get, seriously. That's, that's a felony obscenity, huh? I think it is. Hey now, by the Republican Party. There were some real shenanigans going on uh, in the South Carolina primary. Do you think he was a Republican plant? Uh, I don't know if it was a Republican plant. It was somebody's plant. 
Congressman Clyburn also charged today that two other South Carolina Democratic winners may have been, quote, plants. One is Gregory Brown, who ran against Mr. Clyburn in the Democratic primary. Clyburn easily prevailed, but he questions how Brown paid for expensive television ads. Quoting Clyburn, somebody paid for all that, yet he showed not one dime in contributions. And there's this man, Ben Frazier, who evidently does not have All right, let me get to the website. interview. Hold on. What was your, camp uh, what was your campaign like? Did you hold a lot of meetings? Okay, say that again. <laughs> what was your campaign like? Did you have a lot of campaign meetings? I had quite. I had just a few meetings, <laughs> not many. <laughs> did, did you have campaign rallies? Nothing formal, just <laughs> informal rallies, just yeah, informal. informal meetings. Rather, did did you go door to door to meet the voters? How did they find it's like out the who exact you were? same questioning word exactly. for word? Exactly. This is this is why I find it so interesting. Instead of just saying, "Are you a fraud?" which is the only question that Keith is trying to get to. Yeah, why don't you just ask him? Are you a plant by the Republican Party? Are you a fake? I don't know if he, maybe he does ask him that. Well, let's find out. I just conducted a simple old-fashioned campaign. You know. All across the state of South Carolina. Did you have campaign advertising of any kind? I had campaign literature. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> many uh, I campaign literature. Many I, time, I, uh, I had campaign literature. Yes, I did. The first time politicians <laughs> get surprised by how much fundraising they have to do to make the expenses of a campaign. How much fundraising did you do? Not much. I raise. I mean, I use my own funds up to this point in the primary and up until right now. Um, how do you think the people who voted for you on Tuesday knew who you were, or even that you were running? I think that you know. I think that they they saw. I think that they. No, all right. That's enough of that. It's crazy. Okay, here we go. Uh, class D felony, obscenity. A uh, person is guilty of obscenity. It always involves a minor. If you if you hire a minor to get to be involved in an obscene performance, for example, right? Uh, it's just it's kind of vague. But promoting a minor in a in an obscene performance, class B felony. I, I will say his answers importing are... child pornography. Ah. So then he should be a registered sex offender. Or Why something. don't they just say that? And this is just this is just boggles my mind. What what is the point? Where is this guy coming from? Why are I the think, questions? I think the it same? may be exactly what they they all suspect, but nobody wants to say it. Which is the guy is planted by the Republican Party. Yeah. To screw things up, and it's hilarious, and you know what a great idea. But if you're going to plant somebody, I mean, wouldn't you like someone in there? No, like, you want to plant the dumbest <laughs> guy you can. Why? <laughs> so how did how did how did they get him to win? Then I mean, are the well, it's possible that I don't know this for. Uh, I'm going to look it up. The South Carolina is. It depends on how they have their primary things set up. It's possible, like here, for example. In California, if I go there, they're going to have an open primary, hopefully, because uh, they just voted that in, I think. Anyway, the um, if I'm an independent, uh, even though I used to be a Republican, but before that I was a Democrat, but as an independent in California, you can either take an independent ballot or a Democrat ballot. 
So if it was me and I was in South Carolina and I was in, there was a word going around that this is this character is on the ballot, and I was an independent and had to take one the, the, the Democrat ballot in California, I would I'd vote for that guy immediately. <laughs> <laughs> this is like what you do in college when some some joker runs right, right. some stupid party, then it is you know he's, he wants to make the cafeteria free and he's a lunatic. He gets voted in quite often. Ah, uh, this so. is this is this is this says so much about us as an American people, doesn't it? Well, it's you know, it's, 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 it's a style thing. <laughs> so apparently, according to the chat room here, he went to a girl's dorm with porn in hand and said, "Hey, let's do stuff." <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, amidst all of the oil spill cams that uh, are plastered and now they have them in lower thirds on on every news channel you have a little box with the oil spill cam this one kind of crept up as a little bit of extra news uh, for us to ponder and wonder about because everything else just seems to be uh total annihilation and destruction of the planet thanks to bp yeah well that's what they're up to so by the way before we leave the other topic with south carolina i do have a clip that's worth playing also from olbermann also about south carolina about some some screwball that's in the senate of course so he's i think a republican so they blast him as the world's worst person a couple right, right. like last week uh and it might be worth playing because it is actually quite funny okay State Senator Jake Knox of South Carolina. First, he won the hearts and minds of the heartless and mindless by saying of his own party's would-be Governor Nikki Haley, who is of Indian descent, we already got one raghead in the White House. We don't need a raghead in the governor's mansion. <laughs> Amazingly, State Senator... <laughs> Who's saying this? Some guy. Some guy's a state senator in South Carolina. A raghead? Uh, yeah, uh, raghead. Inferring uh, Obama being a, a Muslim? Is that what he... Uh, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Indian descent. We already got one raghead in the White House. We don't need a raghead in the governor's mansion. Amazingly, State Senator Knox has topped himself. His comments about ragheads were, quote, in jest. Of course, he then repeated them to reporters and boasted, this isn't the first time I've said it. He went on to explain to the Columbia Free Times, Knox says he believed Haley has been set up by a network of Sikhs and was programmed to run for governor of South Carolina by outside influences in foreign countries. We need a good Christian to be our governor, he said. She's hiding her religion. She ought to be proud of it. I'm proud of my God. Knox says he believes Haley's father has been sending letters to India saying that Haley is the first Sikh running for high office in America. He says her father walks around Lexington wearing a turban. We're at war over there, Knox said. We're at war in Lexington? Oh, he means India. We're at war in India? With the Sikhs? Mr. Knotts clarified, we're not at war with India, just with, quote, foreign countries. Sounds like he's at war with reality. Wow. So South Carolina has some troubles. <laughs> some deep-rooted issues going on over there. They always have. They're the ones who started the Civil War. Yeah, damn them. And they're the ones who, you know, they had a flood or something or a hurricane, I think, passed them by back in the uh, the 89 earthquake, uh, Loma Prieta, and then California was, you know, bad, badly damaged. And right, right after the earthquake, we, you know, we got a lot of attention from the government and, and some cash and whatever we needed to help fix things up. And South Carolina got all bent out of shape that we got any attention. Wow. They made all these public proclamations. We have I, those Californians; they got their own money. Why? They, why is it? You know, there was just a weirdness. Yeah, yeah. We're only uh, like 
five hundred billion in the hole here in California. But anyway, South Carolina is a is a is a kick. So, um, starting next week, if you lied on your mortgage application, uh, and uh, and if you are therefore now in uh, default or foreclosure, uh, you're probably going to get arrested. I doubt it. Well, uh, the according to the Financial Times, the FBI is preparing to arrest hundreds of people across the U.S. as early as next week for offenses including uh, falsifying income on mortgage applications. Also, by the way, they will be uh, arresting uh, financial, uh, quote, consultants who encouraged people to yeah. falsify information. Sure they will. Well, they're saying it. They can say it all they want. They're going to arrest the one wrong guy for one stupid reason, and the next thing you know, they're going to be sued. I mean, this is not going to work. I mean, they're going to go around and, and, and scare people and maybe fine them. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're not going to be arresting people. Okay. Why do they say it then? I mean, everything I don't else know. they it's say just a, they It's just a more stuff to frighten the public. I have no idea. Uh, when I see a bunch of arrests... Yeah, there may be one scamster out there that's just a pathetic, you know, fraud who's been jumping from state to state, you know, just scamming the banks. They'll arrest that guy, but they're not going to start arresting homeowners. Give me okay. a break. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying. You may want to lock that door, John. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to. We don't ever do anything like that. It's, it doesn't work because they make you. The problem is the banks, the, at least the smart banks, they make you hand in all kinds of IRS documents. You can't just lie. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't even know how people got away with that because it seems to me that uh, because the banks, the banks didn't I've do that because they a, just don't take your word for it. Oh yeah, no, I made a two million dollars a year. Well, isn't that exactly what happened? Isn't that exactly well, this, this what, what happened? baffles me? Because I've never been able to find a situation like that. Have we'll you tried? We'll have you tried? <laughs> well, I think it's going to be nothing. It's nothing's going to come up. It's Clearly, gonna... you've tried. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to find a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah, I make two million yeah, a year, I make man. Two million dollars a year. Give me that big house. Yeah. Well, isn't that exactly what they say happened? Isn't that isn't that how the whole mortgage crisis came about? Because of people no, the lying? whole crisis came about because of subprime mortgages. In other words, people turned in the documentation. They didn't really qualify and they gave them a loan anyway. Yeah, that's exactly the same thing. Well, that's not the same as lying. Well, of course if you it have is. An actual subprime program. Subprime refers to the, you know, you have a, a person, a prime borrower. It's about the borrower. He's a prime borrower. It means he qualifies for a loan under some old formula. You change the formula. You bring in these people that don't wouldn't have qualified in the olden days, and you give them a loan. Well, they have the documentation. Very. How many of them? Lie? You don't even need to lie. You just say, "No, I don't make any money." Okay, here's your money. <laughs> So I cool. so I don't understand what this is all about. This sounds like just a bunch of oh, let's let's make it look like we're doing something. Well, nobody will get arrested. I watched this whole thing unfold. It's going to be just a big, just a publicity stunt from the FBI. The FBI needs publicity. Well, I guess I don't know. Maybe they you know could have cut, stopped the oil well. I have no idea what the point of it is. Yeah, I wonder about that. 
No, it could have been come out of Congress. We didn't. We you know we haven't been watching enough C-SPAN. There could have been one of those congressional things. Well, well, and they're talking to the, one of the FBI guys. What are you going to do about all these fraudulent? Or where? I, well, we're going to do something. Well, tell me what? 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 Uh, well, we're going to go after these guys. Next thing you know, they got to create a program, and it's all bogus. Okay, all right. That's the only thing I can think of. All right, uh, I'm down with that. All right, man. You got to carry the show. I'm. I'm not feeling good. Okay, ready? Yeah. Got a couple of interesting things. Something. Something's up in South Africa. Well, uh, yeah, the World Cup. Yeah. And which? Why is it coming through with a buzz? What do you mean? Does anybody listen to any of the World Cup uh, uh, reports? Oh yeah, no, that's it's mind control. They're programming you. There's just <laughs> like a whole. No, no. There's tons of theories about this. It's like that buzz is to. Uh, you will come to South Africa, play Sun City. It is good. There is no apartheid. It rocks here. Come to South Africa. You know this. You know it's funny. I was having a conversation the other day. I was like, you know this. They built a billion-dollar stadium. You know, they could have. I could think of some things you might want to do with a billion dollars for the people of South Africa. Uh, uh, wait a minute, that would be the black people of South Africa. You know, and this is kind of like the, it's like the Haiti thing. It's uh, it's like, hey, you know, uh, it's really good for the economy down there because uh, poor black people can serve the white people. Isn't that exactly what's going on here? Or am I crazy? Is is this? Uh, well, you are crazy, but that's beside the point. But isn't that kind of what it's what it feels like to me? I mean, there's a lot of shit going on in South Africa. Well, let's play some stuff about South Africa. Okay, what you got for me, big? Well, boy? let's start with uh, this. Was a report of. Uh, a very positive report about how great things are in South Africa uh, that was done in 2006 on Globe Trekker, and it's, it was more like uh, you know how, you know how much money did the tourist board pay these people, but uh, play Joe Berg 2006. Okie dokie. Of the three years went by before many of them were really free. Yes, but the, there was this optimism that uh, we were right and the regime was wrong. So where are we now? Well, we're at uh, the point where there's light at the end of the tunnel, right. and we've reached the point where South Africa has lived through its nightmare, and it's finally woken up uh, into a new land. Uh, the images are happy images, and it's fabulous to show the new South Africa taking off, which is symbolized by the aircraft behind us, right. uh, under the extraordinary persona of Nelson Mandela. This is Nelson Mandela Bridge, newly erected and represents the regeneration that's happening in the city. Uh, you've probably heard lots of horror stories about Joburg, like crime and no-go areas, but that's all really a thing of the past. Joburg is safe, clean, there's lots to do, and there's no more crime here than any other big city in the world like London or New York. The whole of Joburg city is going through some massive changes at the moment. Everywhere you look, there's new developments going up. This is Melrose Arch, lots of bars, trendy restaurants and clubs. But it's not just about entertainment. Lots of businesses have moved out of the inner city and are now setting up camp here. Even the Bond Exchange. And if you're looking for a place to stay, look no further than the Melrose Arch Hotel. It's trendy, cool, and everyone's talking about it. This is no backpacker hotel, but it's great fun. You don't have drinks by the pool here, you have drinks in the pool. But even though Johannesburg is changing, not everyone can live in places like Melrose Arch. For the majority of Joburg's inhabitants, home continues to be black townships surrounding the city, and most likely it's Soweto. 
Throughout the 70s and 80s, the townships played a crucial role in the struggle against apartheid. It's moved on since then. This is a real happening neighborhood. In fact, there are quite a few millionaires that choose to live here. They raise their families, build mansions. Yay. This street, Vilikazi, <laughs> is the only street in the world that can yeah. claim to have two Nobel Prize winners who used to live on it. President Nelson Mandela used to live up there, and Archbishop Desmond Tutu still got a house down the road. Pretty cool, huh? All right, that's good enough. Yeah, so that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, yeah, it's great if you're a millionaire. Well, sounds, sounds that, awesome. this, this, this whole thing, this whole particular episode of Globe Trekkers was rigged because very because the show is about backpackers, is about you know finding a cheap way to get around. They usually talk about hostels, and so this guy's living it up in this ritzy hotel in the middle of downtown Johannesburg, <laughs> uh, talking about sending mentions. This is no backpackers hotel, but but I'm staying it, here. <laughs> but I'm staying here, and it's, 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 the whole thing seemed like you know like a promotion. Is Hilary uh, Knowlton behind South Africa? Uh, I don't. If they are, as we follow up uh, on the, with the next couple of clips, if they are, they're doing a crappy job. So I'd say no. Oh, okay. Because uh, uh, Newsnight, what's that? Newsnight, the thing on the BBC. Uh, yeah, Newsnight. Yeah. Yeah, Newsnight came out uh, this week actually with a report on Africa, on South Africa, extremely critical uh, for a lot of different reasons, but mainly because it's it seems to be slowly drifting toward a Zimbabwe-like uh, ruling uh, elite. And uh, and the guy, this Malema, who's this bad actor there, who's uh, who has a theme song actually. He's the head of, he's part of the political party that's in power, but he's the head of the youth corp. And there's seventy percent of South Africa is considered part of this group. He's the you know the youth. He's like the communist youth leader kind of guy, but it's not communist. And it's essentially his. He has a theme song that they actually play when he shows up. Uh, which says, shoot the boar, the farmer. Right. Uh, and it also implies they should kill them. Yeah, kill, kill the white get, man. Yeah, kill the white man. Because, and, and when he talks about uh, you know, what he's saying, he said, look, we, get, we turned over to our side. <laughs> it's rather ironic the way they're, the logic here. But they turned themselves over to uh, you know, black rule in 94, and now it turns out there's more poverty, there's more separation of rich and, and poor, and it has all these other issues. Uh, and meanwhile, they're, they're starting to get fed up uh, for some reason with the, uh, well, for good reason, with the way things are going, but it's causing a, a racial issue. And uh, we can start these clips with, uh, and this is all from Newsnight, and Newsnight, by the way, and the BBC, I have to say, the British, uh, were all over the Mugabe situation. Once it even started, it, once it began, I mean, early on, they were all over this guy. Because these are all British colonies or somehow related, and they, all they're doing is keep pointing the fingers. Look, 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 these guys are screwing up. Well, also, and, th this is, this is the, the, the riches of the world, of the West, come from South Africa. The diamonds, I mean, there's this a huge amount of wealth and riches that have always been raped out of South Africa. Yeah, but also Mozambique and uh, uh, was one of, Angola's got a lot of stuff, too. Anyway, Mozambique apparently has got as much as South Africa. So that whole South tip is just loaded with stuff. But, you know, it's like... 
who's going to get it out of there? These guys apparently don't have the wherewithal uh, without these, you know, De Beers running the thing. But anyway, that's beside the point. The, the thing is, what's really going on here is what you saw in Zimbabwe, which was this deterioration, uh, murdering all the farmers, taking the, uh, taking all the land away from the white farmers, and now they're basically the countries and you know just essentially falling apart, and there's nothing to stop it from just deteriorating into nothing, which could happen in South Africa. If this Malema guy, who's a, who's this just hateful creep, um, gets power, which it looks like he's on the fast track to do. Now, just so, so I understand what you're saying, so the Malema guy is against the white farmers, and I can understand where they might have some issues with the white farmers. You know, if you look at the history, uh, but what you're saying is, as with Zimbabwe, you get this guy taken over, and it just becomes worse. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 you, it, this is a fractal, and it's just going to happen again and again. This is, and this one, is, this one's got it written all over it. Uh, and the, and the British are on, they get onto this stuff pretty early in the game. Americans don't even pay attention. We don't really give a shit. Our obligation was to, you know, f- well, this apartheid thing is terrible. We must. Uh, and Mandela's no, no, a great no, no, guy. No no, 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 no. Our obligation was to make the movie with Morgan Freeman. Yeah, we had to, exactly. That was our obligation. Here's, all right, here's the meeting. Here's the meeting. Uh, all right, what you guys gonna do down in South Africa? Uh, uh, we'll send Morgan Freeman. Ah, good, 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 good. Checklist. Good idea. Good one. Good one. Good one. Thanks, guys. So uh, once we once we met our obligation of of crushing apartheid, uh, we were out. We're done. Our job is done. So, so uh, but you're not necessarily advocating white people run South Africa, are you, John? No, I'm just advocating that the that the system that was supposed to go into effect isn't working. I'm not advocating anything. I'm right. just pointing out. Well, what's you got to be careful because people hear you and they think, ah, what are you? What are you? Yeah, well, they, you can think whatever you want. I don't. You know, what's going to happen is going to happen. Is was my point. And uh, play Joburg 2010, which is a little more uh, up to date. <laughs> But these fans have come to Durban to support their side in a bigger contest over South Africa's future. To cheer at a crucial conference for the country's most controversial politician, Julius Malema, head of the governing party's youth league. He's sworn at the BBC before, but for Newsnight, it's all embraces. Wait, he swore at the BBC? He cussed him out? Yeah. Ooh, radical. Ooh. When the crowd stepped back, I asked what's wrong with the nation born in 1994 when he was just 12. We learned a simple thing then. The simple thing was that if we defeat apartheid, we are all going to live like whites. And it has always been our ambition to live like whites. It's direct race talk. And much of the youth, who make up 70% of the population, love Malema for it. Blacks now rule the country, but there's an impatience to own it too. These are some of the rolling acres that Malema has his eyes on. Just an hour's drive from where he was born in poverty in the northern province of Limpopo. 
something would happen at school. It's the childhood home of Ernst Roots. Just eight when apartheid ended, he's now leading a new youth organization fighting to defend white rights and to avoid what he sees as the threat of a Zimbabwe-style land redistribution. We didn't take this land from anyone. Um, it's it's part, of the, part of our family. But the concept is basically, if you are white and you own land, it means that you have stolen the land, end of story. And we must take the land and we must give it to, uh, to the blacks or the under, underprivileged. Right, so you're right, that is, that is exactly a Zimbabwe scenario there. And yeah, and the, the, the problem that's always overlooked in this is, well, you know, the redistribute, you know, the, you know, the socialist mentality, well, you have to redistribute wealth. You know, I don't want to point out the obvious, but uh, I don't know about you, but if somebody uh, handed me, like, uh, 50 acres of farmland... And a mule? Said, like, said, hey, this guy's out, you're in... I, I can't. I don't know how to farm fifty acres. These are not skills that you're born with. Uh, you know, this is a long process to oh, become no, a no, farmer. No, 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 no. That's very simple because you know who steps in. Monsanto. You just throw that shit in the ground. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, I guess. So uh, <laughs> it just grows by itself. <laughs> so anyway, so it, so the so this situation with this character and this. Uh, this uh, you know, kill the kill the boar, kill the farmer. Uh, theme song is uh, obviously not something that is bodes well for the future of South Africa. Play Malema One, the second clip. Hold on a second, Malema One. Inequalities increased since the end of apartheid. Indeed, South Africa is now the most unequal society on earth. Some say it's to divert attention from that failure that Julius Malema ratchets up his revolutionary rhetoric. Here in South Africa, we have the wor world's biggest reserves of platinum, gold, chrome, manganese and many other important minerals. There you go. Yet majority of us have never seen how these minerals look like. Right. That's the end of the clip. Yeah. So, okay, so then we go from there to... Well, wait a minute, John. How, how come uh, in the United States all I'm seeing is uh, beautiful news packages about the great stadium and I see uh, black workers building the stadium and everything's great and here's our Go Team USA and the World Cup and the FIFA rocks and it rules and it's great and everyone's saved. How come I'm not hearing about any of this? How well, it seems to me that if you're invested in you, you as the I don't want to call it the liberal media elite because it's it's almost a, it's a it's a stupid phrase. But if you're if you're already invested in you, you were partly responsible as a as a, as a sub segment of society to destroy apartheid and improve the situation for everybody in Afri in uh, South Africa, uh, and it's failing. Uh, it's one of those things is like, you know, certain kinds of like teaching new math or all these other things. You don't want to talk about it because like you were part of the reason. You're like the, the problem. You're not like the solution. Right. You thought you were and you just ended up screwing. You, what you've done is, is somehow screwed things up or some or, or you didn't follow up perhaps or whatever was needed to make the transition benefit the uh, or the perhaps poor it was in South Africa you had nothing to do with it you you were just you just did your thing you left and now everything's you just you know put your hands over your ears and go bye bye no 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 I don't want to hear I don't want to hear I don't want to hear, hear 
uh, and so you you know so you just don't want to hear. Or perhaps it was completely orchestrated. and This was the plan all along. Well, there's that. And that's what. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, Adam I, I just want to set it up. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, it's a possibility uh, based on our thinking. So, uh, but anyway, meanwhile, the, 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 just a, this is just the last clip, which is the white flight clip, which to me essentially uh, is the icing on the cake. More of the Zimbabwe uh, model, the fractal. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, South Africa is not Zimbabwe. It's a different, and it's got a lot of uh, minerals. And it's got all these things going. You, you have to consider the possibility, which was never suggested on the BBC's uh, report, that China is somehow involved in this. And if you just want to hate the whites, which these some of these blacks apparently want to do, the, they may embrace the Chinese. Who already uh, have um, like uh, a million uh, workers in the Congo. Right, and the Chinese like to come in. They they'll really if they think they're going to have you know the Chinese are going to help them. They're in for a big surprise. The Chinese will just get all those minerals out of there as fast as they can with Chinese labor. You know that I uh, I read a Goldman Sachs report about South Africa in uh, in lead up to the uh, to the World Cup, an investment report about how yeah. great it is to invest in uh, in South Africa right now. So I, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's like a big grab has taken place, and you got to get in now. Get in early. We got it. We got to get it because it's all going to be sucked out. So here's the white flight clip, which kind of just summarizes the the, the a trends. A million whites, nearly one in four, have left South Africa since 1994. Almost half of all white South African men aged between 20 and 40 are currently living abroad. Whites who remain are counting their losses. These Africana protesters in Pretoria say more than 3,000 white farmers have been murdered since 1994. Ernst Roots, one of the rally's organizers, says Malema's trademark song with the words, shoot the boar, has incited some. Hmm. So, uh, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, during this World Cup, if we see any of that on television. Well, they exp- no, we won't see any of that, but and apparently, according to the Newsnight folks, the, uh, the likelihood of anything bad happening during the World Cup is zero, but once this thing is over and then people go back to their normal trend lines, it's going to be at the beginning of the end. But this Malema guy is the guy you got to keep an eye on. So why don't we uh, take a moment here to uh, thank supporters of this program. Of course, we are in the summer months, so it's uh, getting a little difficult to get people to uh, to pony do up. Anything. Do anything. Yeah, really. Just come to work. <laughs> do anything at all. We have a few people we want to thank. Kurt uh, Seisel from Evansville, Indiana. Two nickels on the uh, double nickels on the dime. Oscar Nadal. From, this is a good one. It's from Tijuana. Baja, California, maybe you can give us some reports from down here, uh, down there, uh, double nickels on the dimes from uh, Mexico. And, uh, uh, and he, yeah, he actually sent me a note. He said that uh, that whole cell phone registration thing is already in place in, uh, in Mexico. Yeah. And uh, he says, and the reason why, he says, because everyone here is a drug dealer. so all users had to register before april 10th if not your number would be cut off if you didn't register so even if you already had a cell phone you had to register yeah 
Also, John Martinez, uh, 5555 out of uh, Gilroy, the garlic capital of the world, and Catherine Cable from Robertsbridge, East Sussex, who wants to make a comment. In the morning to you both from Robertsbridge, UK, please say hi to my husband, Mark Cable, and thank him for the best 20 years ever. Aww. By the way, he has single-handedly recruited several hundred more listeners for your, for you daily in our own Gitmo Nation. So keep up the great work. One more thing: if I ever manage to donate one thousand, I can I I can't be a knight. So do I get to be your first dame? Well, we had one today, and we have. Thanks uh, for listening. Quite right. Thanks for listening. We got about four, five. Really, but you can be a dame. Then we have uh, Daniel. We can say you're the first when you you know. No, we can't. But it won't be true. Uh, yeah, a nice little story from Daniel Wheaton. You'll remember him. He was the PR associate for No Agenda, episode 180, uh, who wrote that uh, astounding essay for school. He says, uh, you know, I've been looking for a summer job. Things have been looking very bleak. The major employer in my town, uh, roughly about 4,000 people, is going out of business. So the job market sucks. Um, you know, his dad relocated. He had a long story doesn't want to get into. But he says the first week in June... Um, I was gathering applications for places I knew had fired people, and out of the four that I applied to, I was interviewed for one, and I'm now going to start as a waiter in the farmhouse cafe in uh, Cozad, Nebraska. Oddly enough, he says, I signed the application at 3.33 p.m. as to evoke what was left of my donation karma from March when I donated $40 along with my PR associate credit. It seems to have worked. So uh, in the morning to you, and thank you all so much. We've got another letter from John Martinez uh, in the morning. He says, I had to donate this week because I heard Adam on Buzz Out Loud (laughs) and have a new heartfelt respect for you, Adam, because you're the uh, because you use the V.I. editor (laughs) like a real man. Yeah. Hey, actually, Uh, 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 I use the Vim editor, which is the updated version. So it's uh, I, I, ho- I hope Stanley. I still qualify as a real man. It's still command line. Okay. It's just not, also, it's I'd not. like to call out my brother Carlos, who listens to No Agenda, but has not donated yet bag. as a douchebag. Uh, this is his third donation besides the $5 a month subscription. We, we encourage, he gave us fifty five fifty five. We encourage uh, people to subscribe to the $30 a month lucky subscription or the $5 a month subscription. If you haven't already, please do. Uh, that's Dvorak.org slash NA for all this stuff or channeldvorak.com slash NA if you can't get uh, to the website. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to call the sexiest woman from Canada to step forward. John, uh, let's unsheath. There you go. Okay, let me just get mine for a second. All right. Wow, this is uh, special. It's always a nice rack, by the way. It's always nice when we have uh, a a Dame Hood. And this, of course, comes from the uh, Black Knight, Sir Kelly. Kneel before us, Andrea Spongberg. As we now proudly knight thee... Dame Andrea Spongberg, Dame of the No Agenda Roundtable, please enjoy our gigolos and blow. I didn't think she'd want hookers. There you go. Well, that's good. We got another knight. Dame. Dame. A dame. Well, so we have, what, four or five dames now? I think so, yeah. Let me ask you a question which usually comes up around these times in the program, John. 
Yeah, how, no, I, and I got a couple of clips. No, wait. How <laughs> how are we doing on the rings, my friend? <laughs> we're working on we're, those rings. Will be done by the end of summer. Really? Yeah. You really. know, I'm I'm getting kind of tired of asking. Well, be, maybe you should stop. Quite honest. Oh, well, maybe I should. What am I thinking? Um, if you'd like to become a knight, uh, it involves a support of one thousand dollars. Or three times thirty-three, thirty-three, or $333.33. And uh, you will then become a knight of the, or a dame, as it were, of the No Agenda Roundtable, Dvorak.org slash NA. You're right, my microphone does sound muddled. There's something very weird going on. Makes a great gift. <laughs> it does. It does make a great gift. Totally agree. And by the way, if you like this show and you want other people to listen to it, turn them on to it. Uh, but it's, it, but try. It's probably people that are already in the choir is your best bet. Hey, before you go to any uh, to any clips, NASA is saying something kind of weird. That uh, apparently there's a heliophysics division at NASA, which I was not aware of, and I think they're masking something because now they're saying, "Well, uh, you the sun is waking up from a deep slumber, and the next few years we expect to see much higher levels of solar activity." Now. When NASA comes out with a statement like that, I mean, what, what is that all about? I don't know. I'd rather talk to some solar lab and find out what the they The sun think. was sleeping, everybody. Shh, don't wake up. It's going to blow. Well, I think that, you know, and what they're basically saying is, um, and this, of course, comes from the biggest shills funded by Congress, the National Academy of Sciences, uh, who framed the problem two years ago in a landmark report entitled Severe Space Weather Events. If we didn't, if global warming wasn't enough, now we have severe space weather events. In this report, noted how people—that's human resources like you and I—of the 21st century rely on high-tech systems for the basics of daily life: smart power grids, GPS navigation, air travel, financial services, emergency radio communications. All can be knocked out by intense solar activity. I think this is a huge cover story. Like, like the biggest one you can come up with. It's like now things are going to start dropping off. So it can either be like EMPs are going off and the, ever, and the never-ending space wars, which are taking place above our heads, which we're just not told about. So it's either that um, or maybe we need to have some, some things shut down for a while, like uh, the Internet. Just shut everybody up for a little bit. And we're going to blame it on the sun that's waking up from a deep slumber. I don't like it. Hmm. Well, there are experts outside of NASA that uh, can give us some probably better information. Yeah, the National Academy of Sciences. No, besides them, like some of the universities. The science is in! The sun is waking up. Be quiet. Don't wake the sun up. He might mess up your internet. Yeah, something's probably up. So, by the way, this is somebody came up with this idea. Maybe we talked about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's that norovirus. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, actually Mimi suggested this because there's been a number of, uh, of strange reports that people, if they're unemployed, they can't find it. People won't hire them. Yeah, that's, words, that's like if you have no credit, you can't get credit. Right, and so if you don't have a job, and you know, so if you've already, ha- if you have a job, and go get a job. 
uh, you know, by jo- job hopping. But you, if you don't have a job and you've been unemployed for six months, you so have no you won't, reference. The- you got no hire. You know, the, 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 I don't want you to get out of here, you bum. <laughs> so, I mean, this is basically what's going on. So, the idea is uh, if you become an executive producer of no agenda, then you got a reference right there. You could put it right on there. What have you been doing? Well, I've been producing a, a, a podcast. No, not, don't say podcast. A digital radio show. A digital radio show. Yeah. Right. Don't say podcast. And by the way, it's Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, and uh, they'll vouch for me. Go ahead. Give them a call, right? We'll vouch for you if you're an executive oh, yeah. producer. Absolutely. Say, you know, I got to tell you, uh, Andrea Spongberg, she has been instrumental to our program. She was. Yeah. But, I'm, but I'm not lying. No. And you know she does a great job. She gets uh, you know really helped us with the stories. Support she does for the exactly show. what executive producers exactly do. just like Hollywood. In fact, I live in Hollywood now. So there, hire her. So uh, anyway, so that's a thought for people out there who can't get work, and you get the karma with it. By the way, so so yeah, pad your resume with being an executive <laughs> producer. Pad your resume. <laughs> One line. What have you done so far? Well, I graduated high school, and then I was an executive producer on the No Agenda Show. <laughs> cool. Good resume. Love it. Okay, you're, you're in. Excellent. Hey, the Fox are attacking uh, in the United States now. Oh. Oh, yeah. An 87-year-old woman credits her neighbors for saving her life when a rabid fox attacked her in the backyard of her Holly Springs home last week. A rabbit fox. That's in uh, Raleigh, Durham, That's North Carolina. Good. No, 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 no. Uh, for about five to ten minutes, she fought the animal, trying to kick it off her, but every time she did, it went after the other leg. <laughs> That's nasty. <laughs> oh, God. What an image. I, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> kick, kick, kick. So is there an international cabal against foxes now? I think by the wolf lobby. Yeah, there must be something going on. <laughs> or maybe it's just that 10-speed bike theory. When you get a 10-speed bike, then you see them all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, you can do the same thing in Berkeley with Priuses. You know, you might as well just paint loser on the side of those things. <laughs> loser. I mean, it really, there's a lot of them in Los Angeles. And yeah, I, just can't, well, I, I just can't help when I'm behind one just going like, stupid battery car. I used to drive my daughter crazy. We'd go to the stores, and I'd, I'd predict how many Priuses we see. Before. It's just like about a 20-block drive. You know, she, and at first, it was, hey, we were going to see. I said, we'll see 20. Oh, no, no 20. chance. <laughs> so we see 25. They're everywhere. You know, it's like, and it's such a, it's a scam. I mean, these things are a scam. I mean, it's, 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 it's funny. It's like not only is it a scam that you're like helping the environment because, you know, God forbid what happens to these batteries when they have to get tossed out. Oh, the nickel out. mines are one of the most the environmentally worst. harmful operations in the world. But not only uh, is someone laughing about scamming you into thinking you're saving the earth with a battery-powered car, but it's ugly. It's the ugliest thing in the world. I mean, if they had made it look kind of cool, like a Ferrari or something, I give... Uh, uh, what is that? Uh, the the Tesla, yeah, the Tesla company. I give them some credit for making it kind of look sexy, you know. But come on, 
What a scam! And here's the funny part about that. You know, they, they for, the original Priuses didn't. They were just kind of like regular sedans, and they came with that funky look that makes it look like something very different. And so then Honda's newest version. If you ever see the new Honda uh, uh, hybrid, is it, it's an exact copy of a Prius. It looks just like a Prius. It's got the same hump back and that funny looking window in the back. The whole thing is exact. You it, it, when I saw one, I saw one just the first time couple days ago well, holy crap you know this is like i'm driving an electric hybrid car <laughs> i'm saving the earth and you get that little sticker it's on a the side that little sticker that says uh clean air vehicle which is not you still uses gas it's a it's a statement car yeah for people who have to make a statement and when they're they not drive. cheap they're no not, they're overpriced they're, yeah they're very expensive i can't afford one but, of course, if I ever wind up driving one, John, please, immediately, shoot me. So, uh, I, I rented one in, uh, where was I? Someplace. You rented Vikings. one? Yeah. Yeah, I rented one from the, from. they had a renter. I can't remember where I was. New, well, uh, it was New Orleans. Were you high? <laughs> I wanted to drive one to see what it was like. And? It's it's weird because one thing it doesn't have it's got these little buttons and it's got like a little little joystick that that you put it in and out of gear and uh, it's it's it scoots along it's just, you know it seems a little flimsy I talked to some cab drivers who have them and they feel they're kind of flimsy um, so you know I don't know if I'd want one because it's it's kind of I don't know it's not not that it, it wasn't the most comfortable car I've ever rented. You but, know, uh, um, my wasn't that bad. Uh, my friend Rudy Sarzo, uh, bass player for uh, uh, Randy Rhodes, Ronnie James Dio, White Snake. Uh, now I must say, currently on the road with more cowbell than ever with Blue, Blue Oyster Cult. So I hook up with him and his lovely wife Rebecca, and we have uh, we have a lunch. And you know, Rudy, Rudy's like you know he's a, he's a heavy rocker, right? He's and he's still got all his hair, and you know, and the, the guy's been around, and he does he does, just an amazing, he's even speed metal bassist. And he lives in L.A. And uh, so we're like, well, we walk back to the parking lot, and he gets into a Prius, and I just like I just poop myself, and just like this is bad. This is just this is so wrong. You, you can't be like playing with Ronnie James Dio and driving a Prius. It just doesn't fit. <laughs> that's funny i was wondering where that story was headed yeah quiet quiet riot of course was uh the first band he was in that was his band i think yeah i don't know he's been sold a bill of goods he doesn't listen to our show no he doesn't i tried to get him to listen he doesn't listen now you know i have a lot of friends that won't listen they get they, they don't they're, they're just, not real they, friends john well that's probably true so i got an interesting thing the other day play I, another clip here uh, we've played this before, it seems, but in fact, we haven't. Oh. Play the Prestique ad. We've definitely played some Prestique ads before. Oh, yeah, but not this one. But Depression is a serious medical condition that can take so much out of you. I feel like I have to wind myself up just to get out of bed. Then, well, I have to keep winding myself up to deal with the sadness, the loss of interest, the trouble concentrating, the lack of energy. If depression is taking so much out of you, ask your doctor about Christique. 
Pristique is a prescription medicine proven to treat depression. Pristique is thought to work by affecting the levels of two chemicals in the brain, serotonin and norepinephrine. Tell your doctor right away if your depression worsens or you have unusual changes in mood, behavior, or thoughts of suicide. Antidepressants can increase suicidal thoughts and behaviors in children, teens, and young adults. Pristique is not approved for children under 18. Do not take Pristique with MAOIs. Taking Pristique with NSAID pain relievers, aspirin, or blood thinners may increase bleeding risk. Tell your doctor about all your medications, including those for migraine, to avoid a potentially life-threatening condition. Pristique may cause or worsen high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or glaucoma. Tell your doctor if you have heart disease or before you reduce or stop taking Pristique. Side effects may include nausea, dizziness, and sweating. For me, Pristique is a key in helping to treat my depression. Ask your doctor about Pristique. I think Mickey's been slipping that in my coffee. So that sounds like a familiar commercial. <laughs> yes, it does. It's it sounds like everything I have. <laughs> no, I mean the commercial itself. We played. Yes, with, it sounds very similar to. Yeah, uh, well, this is the same commercial that we played before, but this time it's a black woman. Oh, and the little robot, the wind-up toy, is a black woman oh. robot. And, they, and she winds really? up a little black robot, and it walks along. And then she, but the different than the white girl's commercial. <laughs> Does she have two kids? No, we don't see any kids, but the woman is apparently owns an antique shop because she's in it constantly. Well, no wonder she's depressed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she winds up this little thing, and then she grabs it, and she f- plays with it, and then it shows up as, a, as something like for sale at the store. <laughs> the whole thing is just like watching this, and it's showing up. On, this showed up after like, you know, on daytime TV, where I guess a lot of black women, or depressed black women, have to watch white shows, because it was like one of those, uh, it was the Bonnie Hunt show when I first saw this thing. That's Mike's uh, sister. And it only uh, it only uh, shows up on. I've never seen it in an afternoon, evening. It's always on daytime TV. This, oh yeah, this- oh yeah. No, the daytime TV stuff is where all this shit airs. I mean, I see when our uh, when the housekeeper is here. It's a mother and daughter, and they come over, and they have the craziest shit on, man. And you know, it's like Jerry Springer and all this crap. And that's when all these nutty commercials come on. All of them. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like this. Like the audience. We think we're we're obsessed with prime time. Uh uh-uh. uh. This is where these guys score. Yeah. And is this also good for bipolar disease by any chance? Uh, they don't know how it works. You heard the commercial. We think it we works think it like works. this, but yeah. we have no idea. We're not really sure. Well, we did get a couple of uh, related emails in, which I think are worth discussing, regarding uh, Shantix. Whenever we talk about this uh, wonder... Yeah, we got two good emails this yeah, week. Yeah, whenever we talk about this wonder drug that... Uh, Helps you stop smoking, but apparently makes you go insane. We always uh, get a couple of emails. And I'll reiterate that uh, Mickey was on this stuff uh, for about a week. Was it a week? The Shantix, the stop smoking stuff, for a week? I can't hear you. Two weeks? Right, and then you, you almost killed someone, right? You almost killed yourself. Yeah, see, I'm telling you. And then the only way to, to get off of it was uh, to stop smoke. smoking. Smoke Yeah. <laughs> It's what? Cold turkey and then start smoking again. Yeah. So anyway, so anonymous uh, email here. I'm on the first week of Shantix. So far, the side effects I've experienced are insomnia, really hard for me to fall asleep and stay asleep at night. I wake up every 30 minutes to an hour. Don't feel tired or sleepy during the day. The next side effect I experienced is the crazy dreams last night. And these people are really opening up to us because I think they want to share how messed up this is. Last night, I had a dream that I was seeing two chicks and had to choose which one I was going to date. 
and explaining to them how I was seeing another chick at the same time. That's a good, that, by the way, is just a good dream. And these are vivid dreams. Yeah, oh yeah. The night before, I had a dream that I was uh, a knight in an army during the medieval times fighting demons and devils with a sword. I have not experienced any other side effects or paranoia yet, but I'll keep you updated. <laughs> so far, this is the best. So far, I don't get cigarette cravings unless I'm drinking. And yes, I smoked a pack so far while on Chantix while I was drunk. So, okay, I think maybe the Shantix smoking and being drunk might not be a good uh, recipe. I don't think that's a formula for success. <laughs> he also says, by the way, since... <coughs> excuse me. Since yeah, when did it become... Mo- yeah. yeah, since when did it become a crime to drink? San Diego banned all alcohol drinking on all beaches a couple of years ago due to fights and rowdy behavior. Now 4th of July is ruined. Uh, you can't uh, drink and get drunk on the beach. And then this one, this was really, we both responded to this like, wow, so glad this turned out okay. Um, from Paul Tevis. Adam and John, earlier this year, my family had an uncle living with us, Uncle Fester. Uh, he's been a heavy smoker for his whole life and has tried different ways of quitting in the past few years. He got a prescription to Shantix, took it for a few weeks. We didn't notice anything wrong with him at first, but after about a few weeks, he basically became a zombie. Of course, now I'm perking up saying, uh-huh. He was a completely different person. We'd ask him questions or just try talking to him. His responses didn't make sense. He'd randomly start smiling and laughing when we were trying to be serious with him. My mom decided to take him to his doctor after two days of the same behavior. Long story short, he disappeared at the doctor's office. <laughs> Nobody knew what happened to him. Turns out he walked all over the city by himself, ended up going to a restaurant that a cousin of mine worked at, said he didn't even recognize her. He ordered wine and coffee. And after not really drinking either, he walked out on the bill, disappeared. The police eventually found him the next day. He was taken to the hospital. He's off the Chantix now and is back to his old old self. And we keep asking, why is this stuff still on the market? How is this possible unless they want to zombify people? I don't know. And the, the amazing thing is these aren't isolated incidents. When we first brought this up, with, with, you know, starting with the commercial... Which was the which we still have. We should probably play it again because it's the most horrendous commercial in terms of the side effects. Let me see if I have that somewhere. And it's way it's it's about a year ago, I would think, but it's pretty old. But anyway, it's under. I think it's called Shantix, uh, or I misspelled it as usual, Shamantix or something like that. Anyway, uh, when we first discussed it, just casually, um, the next thing you know, we got a bunch of letters. I mean, out of the blue, and then we found out more and more and more, and it just and it's just like it's, this is not like these side effects are are uncommon. Apparently, they're beyond common. Okay, I have two. I have two Shantix clips. Let's uh, listen to the first one for a second. My name is Robin. I am a wife. I am a mom, and I was a pack a day smoker for twenty five years. I do remember sitting down with my boys, and I'm like, "Oh, I promise, mommy, you'll never ever pick up a cigarette." And Brian looked at me at eight years old and said, "Promise me you'll quit." I had to quit. My doctor gave me a prescription for Chantix, a medication I could take and still smoke while it built up in my system. Chantix is a non-nicotine pill. In studies, 44% of Chantix users were quit during weeks 9 to 12 of treatment compared to 18% on sugar pill. (laughs) That was the part we loved the most. (laughs) Sugar pill seems to work just as good. (laughs) It's proven to reduce the urge to smoke. Seeing how Chantix worked, I wasn't so afraid to try quitting again. 
Talk to your doctor about Chantix and a support plan that's right for you. Some people have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, and suicidal thoughts or actions while taking or after stopping Chantix. If you notice agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, thinking, or mood that are not typical for you, or if you develop suicidal thoughts or actions, stop taking Chantix and call your doctor right away. Talk to your doctor about any history of depression or other mental health problems, which can get worse while taking Chantix. Some people can have allergic or serious skin reactions to Chantix, some of which can be life-threatening. If you notice swelling of face, mouth, throat, or a rash, stop taking Chantix and see your doctor right away. Tell your doctor which medicines you're taking as they may work differently when you quit smoking. Chantix dosing may be different if you have kidney problems. The most common side effect is nausea. Patients also reported trouble sleeping and vivid unusual or strange dreams. Until you know how Chantix may affect you, use caution when driving or operating machinery. (laughs) Chantix should not be taken with other quit smoking products. Yes, Chantix. It fucks you up. Benjamin, he helped me with the countdown. Ben, how many days has it been? (laughs) Five days, Mom. Ten days, Mom. I think after 30 days, he got tired of counting. (laughs) Talk to your doctor to find out if prescription Chantix is right for you. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. And, of course, now she's butchered all her kids and uh, committed suicide. Just a beautiful thing. Anyway, so uh, stay off the Chantix, kids. Get on heroin. The government's supplying that, too. It's good for you. <laughs> it's natural. It's natural. <laughs> it's probably better for you. So the um, I, I've, I'm just looking at the at the news reporting in amazement, John, over um, over the Louisiana spill, the cleanup, the the continue the the cams, and the scene that have like 20 cams now. I see different cams everywhere. Yeah, what are all those cams doing down there? And and I and I always just have to question very much like, you know, why do we have cameras in the court when Lindsay Lohan is getting a scram bracelet prescribed? Why are they showing this? And then, you know, everywhere pundits are on television saying this is the new 9/11. And you know, that just like gets me thinking like, okay, so what are we going to try and do with this new 9/11? We know what we did with the old 9/11. We started a couple wars. And I think that this is all... Maybe we're going to start a war with Great Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think so. Let's attack Canada. No, I don't think so. Well, first of all, the Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone magazine has a, uh, a huge article uh, called The Spill, The Scandal, and The President, which... Uh, now, I like all the, the Matt Taibbi uh, Rolling Stone articles about the financial industry, Right. And I think he's really right on. This is an eight-page, eight-webpage article um, written by uh, Tim... Uh, just for some reason scrolled off Tim something or other. Um, but I don't like the way it starts off, you know, like uh, immediately saying this is the largest disaster in, in, in the history of the world, which we have absolutely no, no proof of. Um, and I'm not saying it's not true, but, you know, it's like no one has the actual number. They just keep, you know, it's just numbers and numbers. And we I mean, get- so there must be millions dead. Well, so this is what's kind of disconcerting. And, and, I, and I will take this to a place which I think is kind of interesting. Um, so the guy didn't think much World War I. No, <laughs> no. But this is a natural uh, disaster. World War I apparently was not a natural disaster. Um. So I didn't think much about the uh, Krakatoa blowing up and killing most of the life. Oh, that's a, and that's a natural disaster. Or if Yellowstone goes off, we're all dead. I mean, come on. 
Well, so there's this... Uh, Unless there's millions dead, I don't see it. Well, this was, well, there's this report floating around, and I think that this is all part of a big scare tactic. Um, report floating around from Vladimir Kucherov, professor at the Royal... And this, I guess he's Russian. Uh, yeah, pr- professor at the Royal Institute of Technology in Sweden and the Russian State University of Oil and Gas predicted that the present oil spill flooding the Gulf Coast shores of the United States could go on for years and years. And they have a diagram in this report, this PDF, where you literally see this oil spill flowing across the Atlantic, covering all of Eastern Europe. Just, just oh, there's the uh, 1037. Uh, covering all of Eastern Europe, and it's essentially saying this is going to kill the world. And it will go on for 70 years with no end in sight. And I'm seeing a lot of this, you know, it's, it's the biggest disaster. And there have been plenty of pretty big disasters, uh, both oil and non-oil related. But it feels to me like everyone is on board with scaring the shit out of everybody about this. Uh, and, and, of course, there's companies being demonized, which is just laughable. Like, yeah, if we, if we, if we topple BP, like, that's going to end it. Like, no. Um... And then I start to see some interesting reporting from the oil cabal. And this is what truly concerns me. Um, while all of this is taking place and everyone's all scared and there's all this stuff going on, the, the, the oil and gas cabal is just marching ahead. And I believe that this uh, flotilla incident um, with the uh, Israeli deforce, defense forces um, and the Turkish boat. And the Turkish boat. Actually, yeah. there are something like seven of those boats, and we nobody reported on the other ones, which are all turned back. Right. And there's there's some now uh, high quality video of the attack, which is not of the attack. It's of people being brought down wounded, so you don't actually see the attack. There's like shitty video. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, something bad went down there, no doubt about it. Uh, but I believe that this is a part of. Uh, the cutoff of gas to Israel from Russia. And this is part of the Blue Stream 2 natural gas line that was supposed to run, there's already a Blue Stream 1, supposed to run uh, across the, the Black Sea from Russia to Turkey with an extension to Israel. And now that's being cut off. So Israel, of course, needs gas. And where are they going to get it from? There's, there's Iran, <laughs> which seems unlikely unless uh, mm, maybe they go and uh, do something to Iran, which now apparently has been approved by, uh, where was it, uh, Saudi Arabia has given Israel uh, clear skies to fly over and attack uh, the Iranian nuclear sites. And I'm thinking it's time for a war, John. It's just time for another war. Because this is what the oil cabal does. We've got the- well, we're get, I think the, the, the as we showed last on the last show, the activity in Afghanistan is going to wind down fast. In fact, uh, uh, Karzai even said these guys might as well leave because they got the, it's, it's having no effect. And I think you're right. I think the pipelines installed, Karzai's in control of it. It's all taken care of. It's right, and then the drug channels have been. Yeah, set we've up. already harvested. It's done. You know, yeah, that's like, harvested. If, that- if we need to reharvest, we'll just send a, another surge over there so we can get some shit in. 
But yeah, I agree. I, I think you're totally right. By the summer, we can start leaving Afghanistan because it's done. The pipeline is in. It's all taken care of. Next. That's got- so do we have to have two actions going on all the time for some unknown reason now? Is that because of our the way the economy's set up or we have that many soldiers? We're the biggest army in the world and they got to do something with them. Well, we can't we- have them coming back here. No, they have to go somewhere. And of course, uh, oh, by the way, let's not forget the $100 million base that is now built in uh, or being built in Afghanistan. So it's all set. I mean, that, that's just done. And if you don't think this is about oil and natural resources like gas, you're crazy. You're crazy. So, um, by the way, Blue Stream, the original Blue Stream, you know who uh, financed part of that and built it? Enron. Who? Enron. Oh. So they, uh, they, they set up the original Blue Stream. These guys were pretty nice, as we know. So if we have uh, an armed conflict, uh, so th- actually, th- th- I think we have a perfect storm. The European Union, United States of Europe, has a collapsing economy. Uh, the World Bank and the IMF are all over the place now. And they're, you know, they're happy to bring up some shekels for a new war. Uh, great way to have the dollar recover, of course. The Russians are happy to sell uh, some guns and shit to everybody because they're winning. The Russians are abs- they are winning in this game. Their exports of oil and gas, they're, they're, they control Europe now. They control it. Yeah, how ironic. Yeah. And, uh, and it's so hard to explain because these things are set up over decades of time, but it is all about oil and, and, and natural gas, every single bit of it. Eh, Putin was in France the other day, hanging out with Sarkozy and Carla Bruni, talking about the gas he'll be supplying. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, and, and everyone's just like, wool pulled over our eyes. Eh, it's terrorists. Eh, damn terrorists. And now we're going to have to, ah, it's just, a, it's lame. And I think that there's probably... If anything, increased drilling taking place now uh, off off the uh, offshore drilling. It's, it's a big scam, and all. Uh, there's and, over three thousand wells in the um, Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, and uh, almost I think seventy five to eighty are deep water, just like the one that blew out. Now there's a moratorium on them right now, so they're not supposed to be drilling, which of course is really killing the economy there. Uh, really, really, really killing, and all we hear about is the shrimp. I had some shrimp the other day. Were shrimp expensive, Mickey? Did, were they more expensive than normal, the shrimp? No, no, she doesn't know. She always buys 17 pieces of shrimp. It's something I'm not supposed to ask about. Not 16, not 18, but 17. Mm-hmm. What? The lucky number. Yeah, it's a very lucky number. The 17 shrimp club. <laughs> the 17 shrimp club. Um, but, you know, it's it's like... And, and people are, abs- are really incessantly angry about all the wrong things. Then, you know, they're, they're yelling at a company which is no more than office that pushes paper back and forth. It's called BP. It's, it's run by people who are bankers. Just bankers. And they don't actually do anything but just hand out contracts to other companies to go drill. And these companies, ah, you know what, someone goes bankrupt. We just take out the profits beforehand. Oh, sorry, it's gone. No responsibility. BP, no problem. They, they can go. They, they can be. Who was uh, Rosie O'Donnell was calling for it to be nationalized? Oh please! This is like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Nationalize what? But BP. 
Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, what would they end up Yeah, nothing. Absolutely nothing, because they don't do anything. They just push money around. The biggest oil company is J.P. Morgan. They actually have oil. And this is just a whole ploy, and in 18 months, we'll see a $100-plus barrel in oil, and, it's, it's, and we're just going to get fucked again. Well, that's the way it goes. We're, we're in the wrong business. We should have been in the oil business, because you don't have to do any real work, apparently. No, you just drill some holes. And, uh, and then hold on to the stuff until it's time to sell at the right price. And, and please keep your eye on these, this magic number called inventories. This is I how have it works. A, a short clip here on the EU economics from the uh, Newsnight show that just kind of verifies the fact apparently Germany is doing everything wrong. And at least everybody agrees. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean anything. Because apparently the German economists are so freaked out about the hyperinflation years back, you know, when they screwed up in the 20s. Yeah, it was pretty bad, though, you know. Yeah, but it's a different circumstance, and you, you, know, you can't necessarily duplicate that by, uh, you know. Anyway, so they won't follow any policies that even hint of anything back when. So uh, you end up with this. So play this little EU economics clip. I don't think, it's, I don't think it caught the whole thing, unfortunately. Uh, for a double dip, as dip as as you have been illustrating in your program, Erwin Stelzer, I mean, are Germany doing the right thing? No, uh, clearly no, not. No, they're doing the wrong thing. Um, uh, well, there's okay. a point of agreement, Erwin Stelzer. Not That's unusual. Um, no, they're not. I mean, the fact of the matter is that uh, everybody's in a difficult situation, and everybody has a. A, a solution, but they're not giving you the timing. What has to happen is first, you have to present a plan that persuades the markets that over time you will cut the spending and get your deficit under control. You can't cut 5% of GDP out of the European economy and expect not to have terrible consequences. Germany has to be the consumer of last Anyway, he says they have to be the consumer of last resort. They're trying to uh, increase imports and some other crazy things that are just apparently everyone's upset about. Because uh, they're really the leading uh, economy over there. Oh, yeah. Well, they say in Europe, uh, when, when Germany catches a cold, the rest of Europe gets influenza. Um, and Robert Gates was in Brussels. He's our uh, Secretary of Defense. He was the same Secretary of Defense for Bush, I might add. Interesting guy not to change when you're looking for some hope. Um, yeah, and change. Yeah, he was begging uh, our NATO allies not to cut military budgets because they're all like, well, you know, as a part of uh, saving Europe, we, we, we got to cut back on troops. And so, America, you got to take care of it. And, uh, you know, we just got to cut it all. Cut it. And he's like, you can't do that. This is, this is you, you, terrorism. <laughs> Yeah, so their uh, European NATO members are preparing for deep cuts in military spending, prompting U.S. officials to express concern that the gap in military power will grow, which I think is exactly what these bastards want. Eh, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll. Maybe, maybe, John, oh, interesting. Maybe this will be the catalyst for getting out of Afghanistan. By saying, well, look, you know, no one's, no one's bellying up. Why should we be doing it? We're going to get out. Could be. I think it's actually in this article. Uh, Pentagon officials voiced concern the United States could be, would be bearing a larger burden in the war in Afghanistan or future NATO missions, according to the Washington Post. Yeah, that means we can just call the shots if that takes place. Yeah, or just call it, call it a day and get out. 
Yeah, well, they're definitely going to get out. So, um, all right, well, I've got an interesting, if you want to change topics. Sure. I found the, uh, well, there's a, there's a clip. I think we've got a new danger ahead of us. <laughs> Only one? Wait, it's not homegrown terrorism, is it? It's worse. Ooh. Sitting. Play the clip, sitting is bad. Sitting back and relaxing on the couch this weekend, you might want to think again. Kelly Crow reports on new research that says sitting can be dangerous to your health. It might not look like cutting-edge science watching an 11-year-old girl watching TV, but it's pioneer research into the health effects of sitting. There's some evidence to suggest that that is enough to, to you know, increase their, their blood sugar, to decrease their good cholesterol, and to have a real impact on their health. Just by sitting there for two hours watching TV? Yeah. They could be hurting themselves. They could, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to measure your blood pressure, okay? These researchers have already learned that prolonged sitting has unique effects on the body. Some of them are completely separate and distinct from those that we get from exercise or structured physical activity. So what you're saying is that something different is happening when you're sedentary than when you're moving. That's right. And those things could be harmful to your health. That's right. <laughs> okay, so... This uh, show is killing me. I'm sitting for two hours. <laughs> this show, we got to cut the time down. <laughs> Definitely. So, so, they, so this laundry list comes. This, by the way, ran today. Uh, and it's part, of, and it ran in the morning on a Sunday. I'm thinking this is a this is a salvo. In other words, we don't have this. You know, they're still working on the pitch. I don't know what the point of it is to get people off their butts. But something's coming. Something's up, or there's a pill, or a vaccine, or something. But li- the, just listen to this clip. The laundry list of dangers of sitting. It's Unbelievable. There is evidence that sitting alters metabolism. It changes the way the body metabolizes fat and sugars in the body. It increases the risk of diabetes, causes higher blood pressure, increases the risk of developing dangerous abdominal fat, increases the risk of cardiovascular disease, colon cancer, endometrial cancer, causes a decrease in bone density, so it increases the risk of osteoporosis. It's harmful to vascular health, affects brain function, and overall, Research is showing that more time spent sitting is related to an increase in deaths from all causes. Okay, this is not... (laughs) What? The best ever. (laughs) This is worse than that. The the nominee list in one of those porn shows. This is amazing. It's it's basically the leading cause of death, if I understand it properly. It's the leading cause of death. (laughs) Sitting around. (laughs) So we don't know. We don't know what uh, what the fix is yet, but I'm sure it'll be something. I'm sure it'll have a vaccine like nature. Yeah, or and there's be some drug company involved. Oh but man, that's I was funny. just shaking my head over this one. The leading cause of death is sitting on your ass. <laughs> Film at eleven. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, I write. I read a uh, in the Chicago Tribune. Uh, new concerns arise over body scanners. And uh, what I found interesting is uh, that, you know, we've completely passed by the whole point of why people were against this in the first place, and we now have just accepted it lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, machines best known for the privacy issues they pose because they can peer through clothes and present sc- screeners with an image that some have likened to a virtual strip search. The government has addressed those concerns by obscuring the faces of those screened, 
preventing examiners from seeing the passengers and allowing the option of a physical pat-down. So instead of what they initially said, you can't see someone naked, they're now saying, we just you know make it so you can't see their face. Who cares? <laughs> I know, but it's like... this. I is- just want to see them naked. <sighs> oh, here comes another hottie. Let's see what she looks like. Hey, guys, come over here. Come over and check this one out. And no one is outraged. I can't believe it. No, but, you know, it's just like, what happened? What happened to the anger over that? It's just no no one gives a crap. And now, and this article is just, it's fantastic. So now you have all these consultants. Well, you know, uh, this, uh, I can overcome the body scanners with enough explosives to bring down a Boeing 747, said Rafi Sela, former chief security officer at the Israeli Airport Authority, who is now a security consultant selling some other thing. And uh, so the article goes on and on and on. It brings in uh, Michael Chertoff and his, uh, who was an advocate for the, for the imagers. Uh, he had been representing vendors, marketing the technology, but no longer does that. Yeah, you already made the deal. You already sold it. Your contract's over. And then at the very end, uh, in testing, in a testing center at Washington's Reagan National Airport, uh, a another consultant showed a reporter photos of small items that had been detected on passengers, including a one-inch square packet of cocaine. Not all of these were in easy-to-find places. They were artfully concealed to get past security, he said. Well, excuse me, but airport security is not to bust me for my blow. Airport security is to secure the plane. But this is what it's all about. It's it's what is this? And they made a big deal about you're not supposed to be busting people for their whatever you know, have a marijuana joint or something on them. Yeah, but they're gonna and and it's like oh, yeah, of course they are. Bet. The whole thing's a scam. It was a smokescreen. You just kind of you know, keep approaching the problem. You keep approaching the problem. You let it kind of boil up and then simmer down and boil up, simmer down. Pretty soon the water's all gone. There's no boiling anymore, and they can do whatever they want. I think we just need to play the jingle. All aboard! Train's good, plane's bad. And, of course, we'll have none of this when we're all on board the high-speed train to the FEMA camp. There will be no testing at all. Keep your shoes on. Not a problem whatsoever. Yeah. And, of course, that will be go by the wayside, too, and there'll be the same crap and sell more of these stupid machines to get on the damn train. And we had a couple other uh, funny emails about uh, trains good, planes bad. Uh, I'll just leave them for what they are. And uh, you got any more clips? Are you done? I got a couple of clips, but we can put them off. It's, it's, no, they're, no, they're, let's they're... do it. Let's wrap it up. You got something okay, funny? Well, I got a couple interesting ones here. Apparently, everyone's getting fat in China. <laughs> and uh, I have two I have two clips. Let's see what we have. It's from all that rice. Please. Uh, fat China is one of them, but there's a, there's a beginning clip. Oh, yeah, traditional thinking. I got a big, I got a, a, an amusing uh, kind of a, a, a laugh out of this report. It was on our national treasure, the PBS uh, operation. And it was. National treasure. So play traditional thinking. Traditional thinking in China is that children need to be fat, and that means the child is healthy and strong. This concept, of course, is wrong. Western fast food restaurants have become part of urban Chinese culture. 
I just want to know what everybody's favorite food is at McDonald's. Hamburger. So uh, I love the idea of traditional thinking is that da, 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 you know, only like what, 30,000 years of culture. But this is wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. I like us telling the Chinese that they're, they're, they're wrong. Hey, hey, just because you guys have been around like two and a half thousand years more than we have, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong, dude. Rachel Mano says you're wrong. So anyway, so they're having a fat crisis in China. And so the uh, so this clip, Fat China, which introduces a writer who's got a book coming out called Fat China, which I think is just a great name for a book. It shows a big fat kid on the cover. Uh, it kind of just kind of summarizes the whole thing, uh, what the problem is. And it's kind of interesting because you always have to remember that when there's a revolution, uh, revolutionary movements are never really caused by the peasants. It's always caused by a growing middle class of people that may want more than uh, you know the current government can deliver and when you're developing a kind of a generation after generation of spoiled brats in China uh, it may become a problem for us somewhere down the road I think we're leading the way on that aren't we like showing the Chinese how it's done with spoiled brats oh yeah, yeah. Paul French is the author of a soon to be released book titled Fat China. <laughs> they are extremely proud. And what we have here, of course, is a one-child policy, which is not enforced everywhere, but is still the norm. Um, so now we have a generation coming through that not only have no siblings, but have no aunts and uncles. This has led to what we might term here the, the six-pocket syndrome, which is where every child, or little emperor, as they're known here, has you know uh, two parents and four grandparents. Um, and those four grandparents and two parents don't really have anything to spend their money on except that child. So they are lavishing that child. They are arguably spoiling that one child. And of course, after generations of, of, of not having enough, people don't want to say no to children. They want to give them everything. They want to, uh, you know, let them enjoy the prosperity rather than the austerity that, that they knew in their childhood. According to the World Health Organization, between 5 and 10 percent of Chinese youth are now obese. So this is an interesting uh, developing problem. That will uh, bite somebody in the ass. Well, it's a tee-up. I think it's a tee-up, and, uh, and I'll tell you why. Three days ago, well, and by the way, I haven't seen this on the news. And you know how I love WhiteHouse.gov. I, I, it's, it's like Marvel Comics to me. I love watching the president's speech. I, I love seeing the proclamations is my favorite, uh, um, my favorite section of the site. So while uh, we were all uh, looking at the, uh, the oil spill cam, the blowout preventer cam, Thursday, June 10th, a new executive order was passed, or established, I should say, the National Prevention, Health Promotion, and Public Health Council. So as you know, the uh, president, with the authority vested in him, uh, in him as president uh, by the Constitution, the laws of the United States of America... Uh, has uh, issued the following executive order. Now, Section 5 of this executive order details the President's National Prevention and Health Promotion Strategy with a council which will be charged with carrying out, quote, lifestyle behavior modification amongst American citizens that do not exhibit healthy behavior. Oh, yes, John, here it comes. And, and I'm tying this into Lindsay Lohan. You watch. The president's desired lifestyle, lifestyle behavior modifications focus on the following areas. Smoking cessation. Proper nutrition. Appropriate exercise. 
mental health, behavioral health, sedentary behavior. What the hell is that? Sitting. <laughs> really? Yep. Sedent- really? Yeah, that's what the sitting thing's about. What does sedentary mean? What, what it means not moving. It's like sediment. There you go. Substance use disorder and domestic violence screenings. Now, he's going to create another one of his famous advisory groups, which, of course, will be experts handpicked from the public health field and other areas of expertise outside the federal government, i.e. Big Pharma. And their orders are, their marching orders are to actively carrying out, carry out the following. Worksite health promotion, community services... Wow, it sounds like the communist oh, yeah, in oh, the 50s. Stand by. Community services, including community health centers, the gathering center, preventative medicine, <laughs> those would be your vaccines against smoking, health coaching, public health education, geriatrics, and rehabilitation medicine. This is it. This is the big one. And when I hear from um, the Drager Center in Texas, from my uh, deep throat, these are the people who make the interlock, that they are now planning on making interlocks for drug testing and in future possibly nicotine, it all comes together, doesn't it? All of a sudden it makes sense. You just be a gut. You don't become, we don't want to be like China. A bunch of fat Chinese running around. Oh, no. We don't want you sitting on your ass. Oh, no. We're going to make you healthy. We're going to have, give you medicine so you don't smoke. We're going to take away all the things you need, like salt. And you will obey, slave. Well, you know, that's uh, great. I really appreciate you ending the show on an <laughs> upbeat up note. I couldn't help it. It just came in. <laughs> I love WhiteHouse.gov. These guys are awesome. So tell me that we are not in the, the nanny state of all nanny states when you hear this shit. Oh, totally. That's the worst. And and you know we've I've gotten a couple of emails from people saying, "Hey man, what you talking about, Lindsay Lohan? It's so lame, man. I don't want the real news. I want news, man. What's going on? This is the news. This is exact. You are being indoctrinated, and it's happening before your very eyes. The fact that and and ooh, just add all the 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 add on to it that Lindsay's scram bracelet went off. Scram bracelet is now in the in the vocabulary. Everyone knows what this is." And you're going to have it for for smoking. You're going to have it for all you know for cholesterol. You're going to have it for sitting on your ass. They'll have a sitting on your ass bracelet that will go off when you're sitting on your ass, and your health care premiums will go up probably because you're sitting on your ass. God knows what the plan is, but this is not okay. No, this is not okay. Excuse me, I got to play. Uh... Yeah, that was good. That's a pet peeve. That is totally a pet peeve. Kind of. So Didn't it have the screaming emotion that I usually get into. Well, I'm, I'm sick from sitting on my ass. Which is yeah, well, you need a scram bracelet <laughs> to get you off your butt. But, Give you a jolt, something around the neck. But does, doesn't it make sense, though, when you hear the sitting on your, on your ass thing? That's a part of it. The salt, the nicotine, the drinking... It's like, what happened? Why can't we just be fat, ugly, bastard, beer drinking, smoking Americans at Disneyland? That's what I'm proud of, damn it. It has, it's paid off so far. Why do we want to change it? <laughs> uh, 
I think that should wrap it up then. I, I think you're right. I want to remind people out there that this kind of information, you're not going to get it anyplace else. You're not going to get it from the phonies out there who do kind of just all conspiracy stuff. And uh, we have our share. But, you know, at least the stuff comes through. I mean, whitehouse.gov. I mean, it's what kind of, we can't say that we're not getting the information from good sources. And also, we have moles everywhere. So go to Dvorak.org slash NA and help us out. Keep us, keep us going. And stay awake, America. And uh, all and the world, and yeah, all I was going to say, all countries of Gitmo Nation, because the same thing is taking place where you are. And uh, look, all we're doing is sitting on our ass and telling you about it. <laughs> People much younger and more energetic than ourselves shall have to go do something about it. You right, John? Some fat kids from China. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. A, it's it's not only a great book. I think it would make a great screenplay. Fat, fat China. Fat kids from China. <laughs> Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center where June Gloom has cleared up a little bit and I'm running a slight fever. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, <laughs> I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again Thursday morning for another early service right here on No Agenda. <laughs> <laughs>